All right, well, last Sunday we talked about this concept of abiding in Christ, and we're going to carry on with that this morning. We're working our way through a series on being rooted in Christ, on being established in our faith. We're talking about how we can reach the point where our spiritual foundation is not easily crumbled, where it's difficult for us to ever doubt our faith in Christ, where we know and experience peace and strength and confidence when it comes to the most important thing in our life, our faith in Jesus Christ, our relationship with him. Uh, The image that we've been working with is a, a strong, mature, deeply rooted tree, a tree that's able to withstand whatever's thrown at it, and that's where we want to be in our lives. That's where we want our faith to look like. I think we all want to experience that joy and that peace and that hope that come from having uh, come from those who are for those who are walking with Christ, who are deeply rooted in Him, who are drawing on Him. So last week we looked at the reality that those things—the peace, the joy, the hope, the strength are found in the experience of something that Jesus called abiding, abiding. He calls us to abide in him. In John 15, his words are recorded and speak to us very clearly about how our lives will be fruitful and joyful if we abide in Christ. And that's where I want to be. I want to abide. I want to remain in Jesus Christ all the time. Uh, He made us a lot of promises about what happens when we're there. His will for us can be carried out there, and so I want to be there. I want to be in Christ. I want to be abiding in Him. But in the midst of lives that consume us every day, how is it that we're supposed to abide? Well, we spoke last Sunday about one spiritual practice or one spiritual discipline that'll get us closer to actually abiding every day, every minute. We talked about seeking God's guidance in prayer, and I hope you gave that challenge that I gave you last week a shot. Uh, 15 minutes of seeking God for guidance every day, inviting God into every area of your life to take control and guide us is one thing that can bring us closer and closer into that place of abiding all the time in Christ. When we become faithful at seeking God's guidance for, for every aspect of our life, we begin to see God in those areas more than we ever have before. If you're consumed at work and not finding the time to focus on God while you're there, uh, seek God's guidance for your work life and you'll notice how much more aware of him you are while you're at work. You continue the conversation as the day goes by. You face a particular challenge at work and you ask for God's guidance. And pretty soon you see God's presence in something that would previously have taken your attention off of God. Uh, One thought I had the other day about this continuing conversation with God was this. um, What should be our longest conversation of the day? Should be our conversation with God, shouldn't it? That should be the longest conversation of our day. Um, The only one who goes with us everywhere, who even knows our thoughts, shouldn't he be the one that we talk to the most? And again, this is not about the amount of time that we set aside for conversations with him. Uh, we can talk to, talk to him anywhere, at any time, about anything. He just needs to be on our minds. He needs to be in our thoughts. Our spirits are fully capable of communicating with God in any and every situation. And that's where we need to get in our abiding. Constant awareness of his presence. Continuous communication between our spirit and his. So prayer is obviously one thing that... We need to practice in order to create that continuous conversation in our lives. So evaluate your prayer life today. 
evaluate it. Take a good hard look at it. Is God getting the attention from you that he really deserves? Ask him to meet you more often in conversation. Ask him to strengthen the connection between his spirit and yours. And remember that you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So start acting like it. Talk to him. Today we're going to move on to three other disciplines that we would benefit from very much if we would put them into practice in our lives. Uh, All of these are intended to lead us into the experience of abiding. Think if we were to look at uh, a compilation of all the instruction and guidance that Christ left to us during his time here on earth, I think that we'd find that the end result of actually doing what he said would be a deeper experience of this reality, of his presence. Jesus wants to be close to us. Can't miss that in the Bible. God took this big step towards us by coming in the form of his son, Jesus Christ, and walking with mankind. And then when Christ returned to heaven, he left his Holy Spirit with us to get even closer to us. God sent us a letter and messengers from where he lived, and then he moved into our neighborhood, and then he moved into our house to live with us and be that close to us. I get the sense that he really wants to know us, that he really does want to be close to us, and that is humbling. That's how much God loves us, that he wants that closeness. So the first discipline that I want to look at this morning is the practice of solitude. Solitude. Um, Sometimes it's difficult to see how we can be imitators of Christ. We know that we're supposed to be. And yes, we would love to imitate some of the things that we see. Um, I'd like to be able to perform miracles. I think that'd be a pretty cool thing. Um, Turning water into milkshakes would be a pretty cool skill to have. So would walking on water. Um, How about raising the dead? Uh, My fishing stories would be so much more impressive if I could fill a net like Christ did. Now we're not sure what to do with the call to be imitators of Christ when what he did, some of what he did, just seems impossible to us. But what about the things that Jesus did that we can see and that we can imitate? What are we doing with those things? Well, let's look at one of those things. Let's look at the practice of solitude. Um, This is something that we can imitate. This is one of those things that Jesus did that really I think is a bit surprising to us. Um, Jesus could do anything. He conquered death, and after that, pretty much anything looked easy to him. He was, after all, fully God as well as fully human, but in spite of all of that, Jesus was also fully dependent on his Father, He stated himself that he couldn't do anything apart from his father. So if that was true, he had to stay in close contact with his father, which he did. Uh, let's, Let's look at a few passages that tell us about one of the things that he did to stay connected. The first one is Mark 135, and it'll be up on the screen here for you. Mark 135 says this, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. That's what Jesus did. Um, Jesus was disciplined in the practice of solitude, but he didn't do this just once. Mark 6.46 says this, After he had taken leave of them, he went up on the mountain to pray. He went up on the mountain. Um, We don't often think about Jesus having an appreciation for nature, um, but he knew where to find solitude. Um, And it had to be pretty cool. He created that mountain, and so he was there to enjoy it. But this goes on. Luke 5, verses 15 and 16 says this, But now, even more, the report about him, about Jesus, went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. 
but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now here Jesus has become one seriously sought after person. Uh, Crowds followed him everywhere that he went. There was constant pressure on him and Jesus needed to find some solitude. But note something else here. Luke is not talking about a one-time event. Jesus didn't just seek this solitude once or twice. Note that Luke said he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. This was a habit with Jesus, a discipline. It was a way that he handled the pressure and reconnected with his father so that he would stay abiding in him all the time. One more, Luke 6 verse 12 says, In these days he, Jesus, went out to the mountain to pray and all night he continued in prayer to God says, in these days. And again, we're looking at a period of time, not a one-time event. Jesus, in spite of the fact that he would have only three years in ministry before returning to heaven, took the time for solitude. Um, Do you think Jesus' schedule was busy? Yeah, it was busy. Of course it was. Do you think that there were people waiting for Jesus? Every day, every day. There were disciples to be discipled, sick to be healed, captives to be set free, Pharisees to rebuke, town after town after town to visit. At some point, Jesus had to say no to some of these things. The sick, the blind, and the lost would sometimes have to wait. So let me ask you something. Do you think your schedule and its demands are more significant than his was? Are all the things that are keeping you from practicing solitude really more important than the solitude itself? Because Jesus didn't think that all the things that he had to do were more important than the solitude. He was disciplined in finding a place to get away and be recharged by his Father. It was so important to him that he would sometimes even give up sleep in order to fully embrace that time that he needed, that time to reconnect and be refreshed. Jesus showed us something that he wanted us to do. Um, When he gave his disciples instruction on prayer, what did he say? Well, let's have a look. Matthew 6, 6. They had asked him, how should we pray? And, And Jesus was responding and he said this, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And now here's Jesus pushing us into the kind of personal encounter that we need with our Lord. God's not looking for a show. He's looking for a conversation. And note that Jesus didn't instruct his disciples to do exactly as he was doing. He didn't say, go to the mountain. He said, go into your room and shut the door. So does it not count if we go to the mountain? Of course it does. Principle is the important thing. There are many, many ways to practice solitude. Um, I'm going to invite Caroline Picconi to to come up now and, and just share with us for a few minutes about what the practice of solitude is meant to her and how she does this. So, Caroline, go ahead. Good morning. So I like to be very intentional about finding solitude, and I do that in two ways. The first one is through silent retreats. I don't know if any of you have ever gone to a movie and the soundtrack is so loud that you can't kind of hear the hushed tones of the actors speaking. Going on a silent retreat is sort of like that. You can turn off all the background, all the soundtrack, and you can just listen to God's voice. So I like to go to a retreat center. It's on the St. Croix River. I usually go kayaking and pray and spend time out there. And it's amazing to me how everything just comes alive. I can suddenly see God working 
in everything around me. As I pray and as I listen to his voice, I've heard profound answers to prayers. I've seen clarity like none other. It's kind of like wearing somebody else's glasses and when you suddenly put on the right ones, you think, wow, how could I have missed that before? It's so clear now. Um, it's usually very humbling and convicting when I see the way um, Christ uh, views things instead of the way I do, but I always feel very forgiven and very loved through the whole process. Um, the other thing that I like to do is have what I call a silent night. Um, our lives tend to get busy, and I like to take time out, usually once a week or so, and I just am completely unplugged, unplugged no laptop, put the phone away, no TV, nothing, and I just go into a room. Um, I put on praise and worship music, so Rich says it's really not that silent because I also like to pray out loud. I pray out loud because otherwise I get distracted by things around me. Sometimes if I'm really distracted, I put a blanket over my head and he has to come and see if I'm okay. But, <laughs> but anyway, I've just found it to be an incredible experience. I always come back rested and refreshed after those silent retreats. I always wonder what was it I thought was so important that I couldn't take time to do that. Uh, sometime I've had to go to great lengths to uh, find time to be alone. When I've been in Croatia, I'd have to go down to the river. When I'm in Haiti, I go up on the rooftop. And when I was in Germany, I had to find a wheat field. But one thing I found is that it's always, always worth the time. Okay, thank you, Caroline. Um, for me, I recently started uh, a method of practicing solitude that works for me. Um, I use my commute to the church to do it. Um, I have a 30-minute drive from our house to the church. And this was typically music time for me. I'd turn on the radio or listen to a CD, and that would help the time pass quickly as I was just wasting time getting from point A to point B. Well, about six months ago, I changed that and reclaimed my commute time for something more constructive. Um, now that time in the car is silent time. Uh, I commit the day to God and then just quiet my mind so that he can speak to me if he wants to. Um, so how freaked out would you be if I told you I heard a voice speaking to me in my car every morning? Uh, well, I don't, but I will tell you that God does speak during those times. Not every morning, but some mornings he just puts ideas in my head about the things that I'm seeking him for. He reminds me sometimes of uh, things that are true about him or about me that I've forgotten and neglected. And that's not freaky. That's beautiful. I need to hear from God. I need to know what direction to take things here in this ministry and, and in the other areas in my life. But I've got to get quiet in order to be able to hear him. Um, this sermon series has been a clear example of me needing God to speak to me directly and timely. Um, I usually have each series laid out before I start preaching it. I know where I'm going to go, and I can tell you what I'll be speaking on four weeks from now. Uh, not with this one. Uh, last Sunday's sermon was written on Saturday night. Um, not by plan. There were other things that, that happened that brought me to that point, but there I was, utterly dependent on God for direction, and it came. God spoke, and I listened. Um, what we need to do is learn to take off the world's headphones and really listen, really listen. I've been amazed in my life at how much more productive I am when I actually set aside time to think. Have you ever found that in your own life? Just to pause and think. I mean, I can function running from one thing to the next and, and uh, just react in the moment to whatever's happening in my life. But I do so much better when I can actually stop and think my way through whatever I'm facing. 
And the credit doesn't go to me being a great thinker. It goes to God speaking to me and me finally sitting still long enough to listen. That's why we need to practice solitude. Uh, Do you remember what it says in Psalm 46.10? You may forget the reference, but you know this verse. God says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. That's what we learn in the solitude, that he is God, that he is there, that he's in control, that he cares, that he wants to be close, to support us, to speak to us, to just love on us. He can still do that. I know he can because I'm experiencing it frequently. Uh, so I want to help you initiate this practice in your life of, or bring it new energy. Um, go ahead and take the insert out of your bulletin right now. There's one in there that I want you to look at again. Um, last week I gave you a week's worth of challenges in the realm of praying for guidance. I do hope you take me up on these challenges. Um, I'm praying that God does guide you in each of those areas as you turn them over to him. Well, this week I want to challenge you in the area of the practice of solitude. And so look at the calendar that's there on the insert. Um, today I want you to just find a place of solitude, and yes, you can call it your fortress of solitude if you'd like. Uh, even Superman needed solitude. Find that place. Find that place. Stay there for 15 minutes and just try to quiet your mind. Just try to quiet your mind. Um, And I anticipate your struggle if you haven't done this before. It was really difficult for me to do at first. My mind just wouldn't shut off. Um, Thankfully, it does now. But if yours isn't shutting off, I'm encouraging you to write down the things that you can't seem to get off your mind. Um, Give those to God. He can overcome those things. Romans 8, 6 says that we're to take every thought captive, and maybe that's where the battle begins for you. Just be still. Just be still for 15 minutes. And I will not be surprised if your commute is not the right place for you to be doing this. Uh, Road rage and solitude mix about as well as Vikings fans and Packers fans. And for those of you with ADD, I'm praying for you. Um, (laughs) I suggested this to a friend once, and I got quite a laugh from him about this whole idea of quieting your mind. I had forgotten that he has ADD. Um, But I do believe that God is greater than your ADD, and he'll show you how to practice solitude if you just ask him to. Monday, I want you to try it at the beginning of the day and see how it sits with you. Uh, Solitude is a great way to start the day. Tuesday, take the risk and ask God to search your heart and your mind. And uh, this could be a painful time, but God needs to be given the opportunity to do this for us. Wednesday, try to imagine as you are quiet what Jesus' times of solitude might have been like. Try to understand why even Jesus would need these times in his life. Thursday is important. How often do you ask God to protect your heart and your mind? He's the only one who can give us that peace that he offers. Beg him for it if you have to, but get it. It's that peace that comes when we're truly in Christ, that peace that destroys our anxiety and our fear. Friday, train your mind. Spend your time of solitude thinking about the things that are supposed to occupy our minds all of the time. Um, This is one I need to work on. I can find these thoughts in the quiet times, but struggle to give them space in the times when I am not abiding in Christ. And then Saturday, look back at the week and hand over to God everything that you would likely carry over into the coming week as worry or fear or pain In the quiet, let God restore you from the week that you've just experienced. Uh, I hope this means something for you. 
uh, we can't just ignore the fact that solitude is something that Jesus himself practiced. If he did this, we should be doing this. And he obviously did it for a reason. And he wants to bless us through this practice just like his father blessed him. Be still. Be still. That's the first discipline I want to look at this morning. The second is this. Listen. Listen to the words of God. The words of Christ. The words inspired by the Holy Spirit intended to reach us through the Bible. Um, This discipline is the discipline of Scripture reading. Reading Scripture. Um, Let's back up to last Sunday when we looked at John 15. Turn there now in your Bibles. John chapter 15. We're going to see some interesting parallels here and in another passage that I'll get to in a few minutes. John 15, look at verse 3. Jesus said in verse 3, Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. These words have a very important role in our lives. Now look at verse 7. Here Jesus says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is telling his disciples here that they really need to listen to what he's saying and that they need to hold on to his words. His words were to remain in them. Now forgive my simplicity here, but I think the only way for us to receive Jesus' words is for us to listen to them. And we listen to them by reading them. Now remember that I'm not the one saying this, but it says if we abide in Christ and his words abide in us, he promises that he will give us whatever we wish. Um, that's not my promise. That's Jesus' promise, but it sounds really good. However, remember that as we reach that point of abiding in Christ and having his words remain in us, then our wishes are going to line up with his. Jesus said that his words are to remain in us. That means that we should know them, not just that they're there in the Bible somewhere. They have to be here. They have to be in our hearts The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 119, verse 11. He said, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. You share the same frustration with me. Um, I try not to sin against God. I really do. But sometimes I do. Far too often I do. And so I try harder. And time after time, I forget this profound verse Why do I keep missing this plain message that's right here? It's the word of God that's going to help me overcome my sin. More of God's word equals less of my sin. That's the power that we need. Jesus says his word should remain in us. Well, in order to remain, they need to get there first. They've got to enter us. This past week, we've been praying for God's guidance in our lives. Well, later in this psalm, The writer says these words, another verse that we know, Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So here we sit in the dark, fearful of our future, desperately needing a change from the current course that we're on. And there in the drawer is this flashlight, and it's the word of God. And we don't go to it. We're just not very smart, really. God wants to speak to us. Jesus has a lot that he wants to say to us, and We just need to listen. So we've got to get quiet. We've got to get into the word. Next Sunday, the challenge that I'll give you in the bulletin will be related to reading scripture, to developing this discipline in your life. Jesus said that his word should remain in us. So before I move on to the third and final discipline, um, let's see this principle in practice. Jesus' words are to remain in us. Well, there are examples of that all over 
the New Testament. Let's look at one, and I'm going back to the chair to read. Um, this is my abiding chair now. Um, problem is, it's Josh's chair, so <laughs> either I'm going to spend a lot of time in Josh's office, or I'm stealing the chair, but I didn't steal it. Don't tell him I stole it if it goes missing. This is from the book of 1 John, and I want you to think about this. Don't go there. I want you to just listen, okay? Um, when you go to read, is it just an exercise for you? Is it just a task? Do you just sit down and go, okay, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to read my portion. Then you do it. You do the activity. It has no impact, and you move on to the next activity. Um, just pause before you read the word of God. Just take a minute to think about what's going on here. Um, God is about to speak to you. That's what he does in his word. He speaks to us. Sit down and think about what's going on. This is the book of 1 John, so it was written by John. We've just read from John 15, and that was John writing during the time of Christ and recording Christ's words. And now Jesus is gone, and, and John's got churches that he influences. And here he is writing a letter. He's writing to the church. Um, John, this is trustworthy. This is a guy that was really close to Jesus. This is the Peter, James, and John, John. This is the guy that leaned on Jesus at the table. And they were pretty tight. And we need to just realize that. That's who we're listening to. The Holy Spirit led John to write these words. Um, just listen. We're going to read from 1 John 1, 1 to 2, 6. This is what it says. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete, something that Jesus mentioned when John was recording his words back in John 15. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word has no place in our lives. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to him. That we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did.
John had been listening to Jesus um, in person. And he took what he heard and it remained in him. So we can see John here passing on what he heard to his disciples, to the church. That's the pattern that we're to follow. We, we listen to the words of Jesus and we keep those words in our hearts and in our minds. They remain in us. Now this passage that we just read leads us to our third spiritual discipline this morning. We talked about the need to be still and the need to listen to the words of Christ. The third thing that needs to happen is that we obey. This is the discipline of reflecting on Scripture, reflecting on Scripture. We've talked about practicing solitude, about being still, quieting our minds and our hearts before God. We've talked about listening, about reading the Scriptures so that Christ's words will remain in us. And that's where we ought to start, with the words of Christ himself. And now we're going to talk for a few minutes about the impact that those words have on us. John took a message that he heard from Jesus and he proclaimed it to the church. And the message that he relayed to the church was filled with a call to put into practice what they had heard. Was it a strong message? Yeah, it was a very strong message. He talked about the indicators that are present in people's lives that make it clear that the truth, the word of God, is not in them. It did not remain. And John writes near the end of our passage that if we abide in Christ, we really ought to live like him. Now go back to John 15 in your Bible. Jesus said this in verse 10. He said, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. And that's a conditional statement. That means we really do need to obey Christ's commands. And then after the passage we read last week, Jesus states his command. In verses 12 and 17 of John 15, he says this. He says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. So John passes this along. He heard Jesus say it, he took it to heart, and he passed it along. And the point through all this is that we are to obey. We are to obey the words of Christ. Um, I got one of my regular emails from Focus on the Family this past week, and I, and I love the words that I read there. There was this one phrase I want to pass along to you that fits so well with where we're at this morning. It was simply this, the, the next step after reading the Word of God is making the transition from admiration to inspiration. Jesus said some great things. He said we're to love each other like he loves us. That's beautiful, that's profound. Throughout his teaching, there is so much for us to admire. But our interaction with the word of God has to take us from admiration to inspiration. We need to act on what we read. Here's the simplest way I can describe the, the practice of reflecting on scripture. It has to do with letting the word reflecting uh, truly sink in. Here's how we should approach the words of Christ which are to remain in us. We should be reading in front of the mirror. And when I get to that bulletin insert, the challenge concerning this practice, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. Read a passage and then look in the mirror and ask yourself if you see that passage, the word of God reflected in your life, in your character. Uh, it's going to be a terribly uncomfortable exercise. But we are commanded by Jesus to obey, to obey his words. Solitude, reading of scripture, and reflecting on scripture. Being still, listening, and obeying. 
Three disciplines that every one of us should be practicing in our lives. Three disciplines that will deepen our experience of Jesus Christ. Three disciplines that will lead us to that place of abiding. And these things in themselves, these practices, these disciplines are not the final destination. They're there to lead us to the one who loves us. The one with whom we're in a relationship. The one in whom we are to be rooted. This week, practice solitude and be constantly in prayer asking Jesus to develop your relationship with him. I'm going to invite the ushers and the worship team to come now. Will you pray with me? Father, I want to thank you again this morning for your word. I want to thank you for speaking to us so clearly through the words of your son that were recorded in the Bible, through those messages that were passed on from generation to generation by the leaders of the church, by the disciples, and then on to many, many, many others, all the way down to us. I thank you for the letters that are there, for the way that we can see in the lives of those like John who were there with Jesus, your son, and got to hear him speak and interact with him face to face, how he obediently took it to heart turn around and pass that on to others. Lord, teach us to do that. It's not that we have to write a letter to churches or, um, or even teach. Jesus said some things about who we are and how much he loves us. That first of all, we really need to take to heart. And then we really need to pass on to others. So teach us to do that, Lord. Father, help us to be still. We know that you are God. But you're encouraging us just to be still, to be quiet, and let the reality of your presence hit us. And we know it's going to take some work to conquer our thought lives, to take every thought captive, to create that environment where we're just listening and you speak. But God, I pray that for everyone here this morning that they would find this a practice that they can do and, and benefit from. Because this is one of those things that will draw us to a place of abiding in Christ all the time. God, teach us to listen, not just to read, not just to hear, but to truly, truly listen to the fact that you're speaking through your word. Give us a new eyes for the Bible. Give us a new appetite for the words of Christ, for the words that you spoke through your prophets, through the words that you spoke through your, your son's disciples and the different messengers that you put in place. Help us to truly listen. And God, we will admit that we're not very good at the obedience piece. But we need to slow down and truly listen and let it sink in in order to really figure out how we're going to put it in practice and be intentional about it and be disciplined about it. God, forgive us for all the ways that we have disobeyed your commands. Raise that level of obedience in us. Help us to, to reflect truly on your word, to let it shine on us and then look honestly at what it reflects. 
We want to be obedient, God, and we need to put this into practice. Father, thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for meeting us in your word. We want to abide in you more and more, all the time, so that we're much better equipped to face everything that life throws at us. We know that's your desire, too. We thank you, Father, for this opportunity to give. We do have needs here, Lord, and I know you're going to provide. Help us to give cheerfully, faithfully, according to your plan and your word. Help us to be ready to help at a moment's notice when you've given so many of us a surplus, more than we really need. And then we're faced with needs like we've talked about these last couple weeks where we can make a difference. Teach us to be generous. Teach us to be cheerful with what you've given us. We commit our tithes and our offerings to you in Jesus' name.